standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. Hello everyone. My name is Mike Casey with Pioneer Health and Missions and it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. The title of today's presentation is Running the Good Race. And we're going to see what that race is and we're going to see what is involved in that race. To do so, we're going to be going to the Bible, to the Spirit of Prophecy, and some other resources to see just what it means to be running the good race. Our opening scripture today is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it reads, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. For those who can, may we please kneel for a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we pray for your presence today, dear Lord. Please be with us. Give us understanding, draw us closer to you. And dear Lord, please speak through me. May the words I speak, please be the words that you would have me to say. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Running the Good Race. As I mentioned, this is the title of our presentation. And we're going to look at the opening scripture once again as well. And that was in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And then we're going to be reading verse 2. But what I want us to look at is the last line here. It says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The word patience is there. Because this race is not just a weekend thing. It's the race of a lifetime, and it's going to take patience. We're going to get tired. We're going to trip and fall from time to time. And we need to get back up, and we need to be patient. Because we will finish the race. And I want us to keep that word patience in the back of our mind throughout this presentation. And let's read verse 2 now, because there's something else I want us to keep in mind. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what do we see here? We look unto Jesus, because that is how we run this race. It's the only way we will ever finish this race is by Jesus. And we need to be patient it's not going to be easy. But Christ is with us, my friends, and it's through Christ that we run this race. Please keep these thoughts in the back of your mind throughout this presentation. We're going to go to Paul now. Now, it's possible that Paul wrote this in Hebrews. We don't know that for sure. It's more likely that he didn't. But we're going to go to Paul now and see what Paul does have to say. And to do so, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to go specifically to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And it reads, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may attain. And every man that striveth for the mastery or victory is temperate in how much? All things. All things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So what do we see here before we continue reading? It says that we are to strive, strive for the mastery. And we're soon going to see that that mastery is perfection of character as we move forward. And to do so, we need to be temperate in all things, every aspect of our life. That's what it takes to run this race. 
Let's read now. We're going to go to verse 26 and 27. It says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means what I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying it is a race for the mastery of character. Now, Paul didn't specifically use the word character here. But as we compare Scripture and Spirit of Prophecy, we're going to see that's exactly what Paul was referring to. And Paul is also saying that we need to strive for the mastery through Christ. And again, he didn't say that specifically in these verses, but he says it all through his writings, as we will see. So we need to strive through Christ for the mastery of character. This is the purpose of the race. Paul also says we need to be temperate in all things. And that is so that Christ can work through us. We must be temperate in all things. We must keep our bodies in accordance to the will of God. Yes, Paul is saying we must keep our bodies, our physical being. We must live by healthy habits according to the will of God, not our will. Not what we want to eat, not how we want to live, but how God would have us to, to live, how God would have us to eat. And that we are to take this race seriously. This is what Paul is saying. We need to be serious about this race. And he uses the example of the athletes at the Greek games because they took the race quite seriously. Let's go to the spirit of prophecy now and let's see what Jesus tells us in the spirit of prophecy on Paul's illustration. And we're going to be starting out with Christian temperance and Bible hygiene. And it says, Here the good results of self-control and temperate habits are set forth. The various games instituted among the ancient Greeks in honor of their gods are presented before us by the Apostle Paul to illustrate the spiritual warfare and its reward. Those who were to participate in these games were trained by the most severe discipline. Every indulgence that would tend to weaken the physical powers was forbidden. Luxurious food and wine were prohibited in order to promote physical vigor, fortitude, and firmness. Can you see the discipline of the athletes who competed in the Greek games? They took it seriously, didn't they? Again, this is why Paul uses this as an example. They were temperate in every aspect of their lives, in what they ate and what they drank. And this was a couple thousand years ago, and they took it seriously. It's not rocket science that eating right is better for us and that we could perform better by proper diet. It's not rocket science. We know this. It's a matter, are we willing to heed the light that we have been given? Now, what about the dis discipline for our race? We're going to go to our Father's care, and we're going to read from the Spirit of Prophecy. And it says, That perfection of character which the Lord requires is the fitting up of the whole being as a temple for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God will accept of nothing less than the service of the entire human organism. The entire human organism. We need to give it everything. We need to put our heart and soul into running this race. In what we eat, what we say, what we do, everything, we must be constantly striving for what? Perfection of character. That is what the race is all about. 
perfecting our character in Christ, allowing Christ to work through us and us doing our part in every aspect because it takes that partnership if we're ever going to attain, attain perfection of character. It's the one thing we take with us. It's the one thing we are striving to perfect that we might be able to take that character with us. And what a reward to be one with the Father and the Son in perfect character. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we're striving for. That's what this race is about. Let's continue reading this. It says, It is not enough to bring into action certain parts of the living machinery. All parts must work in perfect harmony, or the service will be deficient. It is thus that man is qualified to cooperate with God in representing Christ to the world. Thus God desires to prepare a people to stand before him pure and holy, that he may introduce them into the society of heavenly angels. Wow, that's beautiful. God wants to prepare us to stand before him, to stand before him in the perfection of character, to share in his image and the image of his only begotten son. Oh, how beautiful. And there's more. He wants to introduce us into the society of the heavenly angels and other holy beings as perfect beings ourselves, perfect in character, the one thing we took with us or take with us. The reward of our race. Of our race. Isn't that beautiful? That's, that is the goal of the finish line that we are striving for. And it's going to take a lifelong work, one of patience. But Christ is there with us, my friends. Christ is there with us. Let's look a little bit more now at these athletes that Paul was speaking of. But we're going to go to the athletes of today. And let's see what the athletes of today do to prepare for the Olympics, uh, which is the great games of today. To do this, we are going to go to Healthline.com. And we are going to read an article there titled, How Olympic Athletes Train to Win the Gold. And we read, Olympic athletes spend an enormous amount of time training in order to reach their peak physical condition. They have to plan smartly and develop healthy habits. How do they plan? Smartly. And what is smart? Developing healthy habits. It's not rocket science, my friends. These are people, as we're going to be reading, that maybe do not have the, 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 the spirit of prophecy, the light that we have been given by Jesus. They might not know the health laws that are written throughout the Bible, but they know it's important to have healthy habits if they are going to perform properly. That's just plain smart, my friends. It's just plain smart. Let's continue reading. And we're going to be reading about Devin Logan and see what she has to say. It says, cross-training is how much? 110% crucial to my success, said Devin Logan, a freestyle skier with the North Face team who will compete in both half-pipe and slope-style events in Pyeongchang. Now, Pyeongchang took place in 2018, so we're reading this after the fact. And let's continue reading. It says, gym time makes it easier for me to pinpoint certain muscles that I would not be working out while on snow, she explained. There are so many exercises that I do in the gym that work my core so that I can count on it when I need it most out on the slope. So she works muscles that she might not even use on the slope. 
And when she discovers a weak muscle, she works on that muscle and strengthens it. So when she needs it most, she has it available to her out on the slope, that additional strength. Now, how does this apply to our race? Our race for, for perfection of character. Christ rebukes and chases, chastens those he loves, doesn't he? He helps us to find these weaknesses that need to be improved, that need to be worked, to be worked out by allowing Christ to work through us. But us doing our part. Maybe we say things we shouldn't, and we check ourselves. No, I don't want to be saying that. Lord, please help me. I don't want to be saying that. This is a weakness of mine, dear Lord. Please help me not to say those things, or whatever it might be. Christ will show us our weaknesses, and He will make us stronger. And when we need that strength the most, that unexpected situation comes along, and we want to react. We might be a little bit stronger the next time around, because every time Christ is helping us to strengthen those weak errors, areas within our character. And let's continue reading. Evan Weinstock, a member of the U.S. bobsled team, said a variety of workouts is key to getting a good start in competition. We train hard in the weight room and on the running track to build our strength in speed fitness, which allows us to perform the explosive and powerful feat of accelerating a bobsled from stationary. Well, I don't know what's involved with accelerating a bobsled from stationary, but it's got to be a lot. A lot of muscles that I probably don't even know I have. But they train hard, and they build their strength, and they do this constantly. It's not just a weekend thing. They take it seriously, and they get good at it, and they get better at it. And let's continue reading. It says, of all the recovery techniques, proper sleep is undoubtedly the most cost-effective strategy for athletes, said Douglas Ebner, a physical therapist and sports performance specialist at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. So now we see sleep coming into the picture. So I think you're probably starting to see that we're looking at the laws of life and health. These are what the athletes are living by. And sleep is so important. We need our sleep. And it's tough for some of us. For some of us, it's a challenge to get our sleep for various reasons. But it's something so important that, again, we must do all we can on our part to try to attain the proper sleep that we need. And it goes on, it says, if you don't get enough sleep, the body releases the stress hormone cortisol and limits your natural production of human growth hormone, which plays a role in muscle growth and energy production. Sufficient sleep isn't just about physical benefits, though. Lack of sleep can alter the mental components of performance, including reaction time and poor judgment. Ebner said that's one reason why sleep deprivation has been associated with increased injury risk. So what we are seeing here are the laws of health. And sleep is one of those, isn't it? We need to get our sleep. It's so important. And I know it's a struggle. Some of us suffer from insomnia and other things. And for some others, the, the diet might be the great challenge. Others, it's getting off that sofa and, and, and getting some exercise, getting some fresh air, some sunshine. But these are all things we need to, to take seriously, that Christ might work through us, to give Christ every opportunity to make us those, those people that not only Christ desires us to be, but we desire to be perfected beings to stand before Him.
And let's read more. It says, the only way to keep myself fresh and ready to better myself the next day is to spend the time at night or in the morning stretching, foam rolling, and performing other regeneration methods to make sure my body is well adapted to the stresses from training, Weinstock explained. What are our regeneration methods? It's spending time with God, isn't it? Time in prayer, time in His Word both in the morning and in the evening and all through the day. This is how we regenerate. Can you see the parallels? Can you see the parallels with the athletes, not only of Paul's day, but of our own day? This is why Paul used this illustration. I think it's a beautiful illustration. And this is a beautiful parallel because we need our time as well. We need our regeneration time. And there's more. It says, in order for muscles to grow stronger and repair, athletes typically give themselves a day of active recovery, where they're not focused so much on performance. And no, that doesn't mean a Netflix marathon. And I didn't add that Netflix marathon, although it's something I'm known to say. Because we don't want to be couch potatoes, sitting in front of our TV, watching Netflix, when most generally what we're watching is people's sin. If I didn't joy in that, even these athletes know that this is a waste of time. That's not how they train. But what is the beautiful parallel we see here? And I think you see it. It's the Sabbath, isn't it? A day of active recovery. The seventh-day Sabbath, the Sabbath of the Bible. A time spent with God, actively seeking the Father and the Son, setting everything aside from our normally weekly routine, and spending it with our Savior. Can you see these beautiful parallels? And these are from athletes of today, like I mentioned, that, that most likely don't even know of the spirit of prophecy. But it's common sense, my friends. It's living smartly. It's a giving Christ every opportunity to work through us. And we finish reading this line. It says, Non-professionals should consider taking at least one day off a week for active recovery. God knew what he was doing when he gave us a day of rest, didn't he? And there's more to read. It goes on and says, For all that training, you might think athletes can eat whatever they want. But eating healthy and intentionally is a big part of making sure they can perform at their peak. Eating healthy and intentionally. The athletes know they need to eat healthy. They know they need to eat this way. In fact, if you Google vegan athletes uh, or Olympians, oh, it's amazing how many pop up. They're not strangers to this. They know they need to eat right if they're going to perform. And it says here, eat intentionally. What does that mean? That means to plan out our meals for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year. When we leave the house, do we know what we're going to be eating for lunch? Are we taking our lunch with us? Or are we just going to go out and just, just wing it for the day and just maybe get some, if we need to, we'll stop and get some fast food garbage? Is, is, do, we, do we do that? When we wake up, do we know what we're going to be having for breakfast? Do we have our meals planned? Do we know what we're going to have for dinner? Or are we just, okay, it's time to eat, and we just start fishing and you know, grabbing what sounds tasty at the time? That, that's, how bad habits, that's how bad eating habits get started. And that's what we want to avoid, my friends. We want to eat intentionally, smartly, and healthy. And we need to make this, our, we need to make this a daily routine, a, a weekly routine. And let's continue reading. 
Freestyle aerial skier Ashley Caldwell explains that nutrition is important, not just for the couple hours before or after you train, but all the time. The athletes, they're not in this just for that, that, that one Olympic event. They're athletes for life. They want to keep themselves healthy. They want to continue to compete. And so they keep this lifestyle year round. Nutrition is very important to them, as it should be to us. And we read on. What you were eating three days ago can be affecting how you are feeling and performing today, said Caldwell. So it's about creating a good overall health plan that keeps you as healthy as you can be. How long? Year round. Year round, my friends. We need to be watching what we eat, not only for that day and not only for that week, but year round and for the rest of our lives. But look at here, what we would eat three days ago can be affecting how we are performing today. That's serious. You know, when I go around and speak, some, uh, quite often I will hear people say, you know, but Ellen White says it's okay to splurge once in a while. It's amazing how many of us know that statement from Ellen White when it comes to diet and health, that it's okay to splurge once in a while. Uh, and that is true, but what is she saying? Now, what if you splurge twice a week? on something that you probably shouldn't. That's probably garbage, whatever that might be. And three days later, it affects your performance. There's seven days in a week, so if you spurge twice a week, what is that doing to you? How is that affecting you? I don't think that's what she meant. I think she meant more like a birthday celebration, uh, a treat once in a while. So that's something to think about, my friends. What we eat three days ago can affect us today. And, and this doesn't even come from the spirit of prophecy. This is coming from today's athlete. Can you see how important diet is? It's so important. If we are going to perform, it is so important. And we continue reading. It says, for Caldwell, who is now competing in her third Olympic Games, that means a lot of fruit, veggies, and protein. Athletes know how they should be eating. We know how we should be eating. It's not rocket science. You'd be amazed at how many vegan athletes there are today. You would be amazed. I'll often hear people say, you know, show me in the Bible where it says I need to be eating a plant-based diet. You, you show me. You know, I, I, I want to see it. And, and why do they take the stance? They don't want to change. They love their diet. They don't want to alter their diet. They love what they eat. It's about taste to them. And they want to justify it in one fashion or another. These athletes know. We know. We know how we should be eating. It's where is our heart. Are we willing to truly get in the race? Are we willing to truly compete? Are we willing to live a healthy life? That's really what it comes down to. And we read on. It says, if you have a specific fitness goal, Pre- and post-workout nutrition become even more important. And my friends, we have a goal. And what is our goal? Our goal is attain, to attain the character of the Father and His only begotten Son. Perfection of character. To be one with the Father and Son. What a beautiful goal. Isn't that worth having a proper diet? Being temperate in all things? Getting our sleep? Spending time with God in the morning and in the evening and throughout the day in prayer, in His Word, Sabbath rest. These things are so important, my friends. This is all part of being in this race.
Are we in this race? Do you want to be in this race? Let's go to the Bible now and let's learn more about what this goal is. Matthew 5.48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. It's about perfection. It's about perfection, my friends. It's about perfection of character. This is what the race is about. Our character is the one thing we take with us to heaven. This is what it's about, my friends. And we continue reading. Hebrews 13.21 says, Make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, my friends. And what are we to do through Jesus Christ? Strive for perfection. We need to strive for perfection through Jesus Christ. And it is Christ working through us. But we're doing our part. We need to be in this race. We have a wonderful trainer if we are willing to train. And let's learn from Paul now. Let's see what Paul says on striving for perfection. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. And it says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, I'm not perfect. I've never claimed to be perfect, but I press towards perfection. I strive for perfection of character, and I do so in Christ, through Christ Jesus. And he says, my friends, this is how we need to be minded. We need to have the frame of mind of striving for perfection daily. And God shall reveal our weaknesses. Just as those athletes who, who seek out those weak muscles, that they might strengthen them. So when they need those muscles the most, they're there for them. And Christ is doing the same thing for us. He's doing the same thing for us. He's helping us to discover our weaknesses of character, that He might make them strong, that He might take us home and across that finish line. And when we least expect it most, then that situation arises. God will have worked with that character and eventually work out those flaws that we might respond in a way worthy of our Savior. Oh, it's so beautiful what Christ is doing, my friends. It's so Christ, so beautiful what Christ is working within us. We're going to be going home soon, my friends. We're heading for that finish line. If we will let Christ work through us, if we are willing to press toward the mark of perfection of character, if we will be thus minded if we will be thus minded we must press forward to the goal we must press forward to the goal let's read from the acts of apostles it says paul knew that his warfare against evil would not end so long as life should last ever he realized the need of putting a strict guard upon himself that earthly desires might not overcome spiritual zeal with all his power he continued to strive against natural inclinations Ever he kept before him the ideal to be attained, and this ideal he strove to reach by willing obedience to the law of God. His words, his practices, his passions, all were brought under the control of the Spirit 
of God. It was this single-hearted purpose to win the race for eternal life that Paul longed to see revealed in the lives of the Corinthian believers. He knew that in order to reach the Christian ideal for them, they had before them a life struggle from which there would be no release. He entreated them to strive lawfully day by day, seeking for piety and moral excellence. He pleaded with them to lay aside every weight and press toward the goal of perfection in Christ, my friends. In Christ. In Christ. We are to strive for perfection of character. And we need to be patient. This is a lifelong race. And we're going to fall. But through Christ, we can get back up. And Christ will move forward with us throughout this race, my friends. And it's going to take patience. It's not easy, my friends. To change our diet, oh, it's not easy. Oh, to get our sleep for some of us is such a great challenge. But Christ is there with us. This is in Christ. And we keep getting back up. And we're patient. And we keep heading for that finish line. And we keep striving. We keep being thus minded in Christ. And my friends, there's something we need to do. We need to lay aside every weight. Be temperate in all things. We need to lay aside everything that is coming between us and the Father and His only begotten Son. Let's read about laying aside our every weight. The Review and Herald. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset and run with patience the race set before you. Press toward perfection. Then, then you will have success in your service. The word then is used there, isn't it? What does that mean? That means something came first, then something else happened. My friends, we must first be striving. We must first be committed. We must first have that willing heart to strive for perfection. Then we'll be successful because then Christ can work through us. Christ will have victory within us. But if we're on the couch enjoying Netflix, is Christ working through us, my friends? No, He's not, is He? No, Christ isn't there. There will be no success. My friends, true success is allowing Christ to work through us. And it is having that goal of perfection and setting forth one foot in front of the other, getting out in that race, heading for that finish line, allowing Christ to work through us. We must get in the race. Because if we're not in the race, there's no perfection. And again, we saw the word patience. It keeps coming up, doesn't it? It's going to take patience. We're going to get tired from time to time. It's going to wear on us once in a while. But Christ won't give us more than we could bear. We need to, get, we need to constantly get back up, slip that hand back in Christ's hand, ask forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to fall anymore. Please, get me across that finish line. And Christ will. Christ will get you across that finish line. If you are willing to get in the race, you will be successful. My friends, we are racing towards Christ. That is what this race is about. We are racing towards Christ and His character, His perfection. And we are racing away from the world. We are racing away from the things of this world and everything that is contrary to the ways of God. 
And let's read about this. We're going to 1 John 2, verses 15 and 17. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We need to focus on that goal. We need to focus on the ways of Christ, His perfection, His character, and not on the things of this world. Not on, to, on what's in front of us on that computer monitor or television. No, we need to focus on Christ, my friends, and allow His ways to be our ways. We need to focus on that goal of His character. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Oh, think on the ways of Christ, my friends. Think on these things. We have such a beautiful Savior. He's taking us home. He wants to be one with us as He is with the Father. And that oneness is through character, character perfection. My friends, we need to render all to God. If we are going to do this, we must be temperate in all things. Our diet, everything must be surrendered. We must render all to God. We must heed all the light that has been given. We've been given this light for a reason. We've been given the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy for a reason. That we might win this race. That we could get across that finish line. That we might attain that goal. Let's read from the testimonies. And we're going to be reading from the Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2. It says, God requires all men to render their bodies to Him a living sacrifice, not a dead or dying sacrifice, a sacrifice which their own course of action is debilitating, filling with impurity and disease. God calls for a living sacrifice. The body, He tells us, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the habitation of His Spirit. And he requires all who bear his image to take care of their bodies for the purpose of his service and his glory. Ye are not your own, says the inspired apostle. Ye are bought with a price. Wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In order to do this, add to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. It is a duty to know how to preserve the body in the very best condition of health. And it is a sacred duty to live up to the light which God has graciously given. A sacred duty. This is a sacred duty, my friends. This race Paul speaks of is a sacred duty for us to live up to the light that we have been given. And it takes patience. Again, this word keeps coming up. Please be patient, my friends. We will get there. We will cross that finish line if we never stop trying and we continue to look towards Christ. Again, remember what we said earlier? It takes patience. And what else does it take? It takes Christ. Because without Christ, there is nothing, my friends. And we continue on to the next slide. It says, if we close our eyes to the light, 
for fear we shall see our wrongs, which we are unwilling to forsake, our sins are not lessened, but increased. If light is turned from in one case, it will be disregarded in another. It is just as much sin to violate the laws of our being as to break one of the Ten Commandments. For we cannot do either without breaking God's law. It's just as much sin, my friends, to break the laws of life and health as it is any one of the Ten Commandments. That's why Paul says this is such a serious race and why we must be temperate in all things. Where is our heart? Are we searching for excuses to not be temperate? Prove to me in the Bible? Or does common sense tell us, no God, this is the temple of your Holy Spirit. I think you have made me smart enough to know that this is how I am to live. I think I should know this. My friends, are we willing? Are we willing to live up to all the light that we have given? Let's continue reading. We cannot love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength while we are loving our appetites, our tastes, a great deal better than we love the Lord. We are daily lessening our strength to glorify God when He requires all our strength, all our mind. By our wrong habits, we are lessening our hold on life and yet professing to be Christian followers, preparing for the finishing touch of immorality. My brother and sister, you have a work to do which no one can do for you. Awake from your lethargy and Christ shall give you life. Change, change your course of living, your eating, your drinking, and your working. My friends, are we in the race? Are we in the race? Are we racing with Jesus? My friends, are we racing with Jesus? Are we allowing Christ to work through us? Are we seeking the taste of this world, the pleasures of this world, over our love for Christ? And what He's trying to do for us to make us like Him in character. The only safe amusements are such as will not banish serious and religious thoughts. The only safe places of resort are those to which we can what? Take Jesus with us. Can we take Jesus with us? When we put food on our plate, is it food that Jesus would have us put on our plate? We know what that food should be, my friends. We know we should be eating a plant-based diet. We know we shouldn't be eating meat. We know we shouldn't be eating milk, eggs, and cheese either. We know that. We know we need to stay away from caffeine and sweets. This is nothing new, my friends. Are we taking Jesus with us? And you notice in this presentation, it's not a lecture on what we should be eating as far as getting into the ins and outs of meats and dairy and all of this. Because we know. You know. You know you shouldn't be eating those things. Why do you? You love the taste. Do you love the taste more than Jesus? Do we? We can't let this come between us and our Savior. We're in a race. We're in a race to win. 
And what are we winning? Christ in His character. And what are we losing? Our old character. We're trading in our old person for a character of Christ, one of perfection. And I don't know if perfection is a word to describe the character of Christ. It's far greater than that. Are we in the race, my friends? Are we truly in the race? Are we racing with Jesus? Are we allowing Christ to run with us? My friends, there's power to run this race. There's a beautiful power to run this race if we will do our part and allow Christ to run with us. This is from my character personality. It says, although there is a natural tendency to pursue a downward course, there is a power that would be brought to combine with what? Man's earnest effort. His willpower will have a counteracting tendency if, if he will combine with this, what? Divine help. He may resist the voice of the tempter. My friends, we can resist temptation through Christ, through that divine help, if we will allow Christ in, if we will make that earnest effort, then we will have success. Then we will have success, my friends. If we're willing to make that earnest effort, if we're willing to get in this race, we have a divine helper who is just waiting. Oh, Christ wants to be with us, my friends. Christ is waiting. Christ is waiting on you. Christ is waiting for you to enter the race because He wants to be there with you. Christ is waiting to run with you. Will you run with Christ? Will you? Will you allow Him to take you across the finish line? Will you do all in your power to be the best athlete that you could be? My friends, Christ wants to take you home. He wants to present you to the Father in in perfection of character. He wants to present you to the other holy beings, to the heavenly angels. Isn't that going to be a beautiful day? Oh, it's going to be a glorious time, my friends, to be able to stand as one with the Father and His only begotten Son in perfection of character. Our closing scripture is found in Revelation 14, verse 12, and it reads, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen, my friends. For those who can, will you please kneel with me for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, oh, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your grace of allowing us to be in this race. Dear Lord, please take us to the finish line. Please lead us across to your heavenly kingdom. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions.